So one of the questions that I had was how to meet the demand for smaller homes. And I think that it was, the term was used tiny homes. And so I expanded it to be small homes and tiny homes. And because I think that really, as you discussed that missing middle, the different types of uses, how do you start looking at that one's a market issue, who's going to build it, and then one's regulatory, and and who's going to live in them. But there's a variety, and in many places I live in, people don't like this. They really don't see that mixed-use building yet, but they would like to live in an area with a common open space, no maintenance, and smaller homes. So you kind of get a feel for living in a single-family house, but you don't have as as much uh, area to take care of. And this is just a graphic from another, uh, from another planning group that talks about the mid-rise, high-rise courtyard apartments exist and the single family, but all of the types of uses in between don't. And those are duplexes that there's a, I'm doing a little bit of work in Lake Charles, Louisiana right now because they have so much industry there that they actually, and they have a law that Every lot, the only lot size of the city is 6,000 square feet, which in Dallas, there's nothing, there, it's hard to get a 6,000 square foot. So they already, they're having problems with people coming in and dividing up every lot in, the, in a large high-end subdivision and putting in a bunch of little places. So I'm actually trying to do a little bit of the opposite of what we're talking here to give them some protection so that people that want their large lots, if, the group, if everyone agrees, could protect those areas. But they have duplexes that you don't, I didn't even know were duplexes because they were so well done. And, and so it's possible that uh, to, to start looking at that as a way to develop cottage homes or are smaller lots and they can be attached or detached, but uh, smaller homes on smaller lots. Courtyard housing has have common areas with uh, housing in between or along outside of the area. Really more of a community feel. And then small lot homes. And Portland, Oregon is probably a leader in, in doing this where they're they're really having issues and and affordability and not having people being able to live and people who have lived there for years are having to move out because their property values are going so high. And so they've, they've really looked at a ways to change the ordinances to allow uh, some flexibility in the housing types. So things that you can do to, to allow smaller homes is to make sure that you're, that, uh, that your zoning ordinances allow smaller lots, reduce setbacks, and that the, there's not permitting issues. And so some of that's making some adjustments to zoning codes. And it's not to say that you get rid of what you have. It's really another choice that you need to add into that, uh, that your zoning code. Because you don't want to rock the boat and change everything. You just want to create opportunities for people to make different decisions. And then uh, just looking at different types of regulations as they relate to these other uses. And one thing that several communities that I've worked in have done, and it kind of addresses one of the issues that was brought up, it's who's going to do this, is they've, they've had architectural 
uh, competitions. On, so a couple empty lots will be identified and they'll take, ask the architect, local architects to give them ideas of what a house would look like here because a small house in Portland or a small, small house in Dallas that's acceptable might be totally different than what you want to see here. And, and in Portland they went so far as they paid those architects for the plans and have them on the shelf so that people who want to build small lots can go in and look at these 10 different plans and pull them off. And that really cuts down the design fees for, the, for those and, and it, it enables you to develop the properties a little bit uh, quicker and, and less expensively because you know they're going, to be, they're going to comply with the regulations that have been established there. So that's one idea of how to get the idea out there, and and it, and you can make it really fun, where it you know you have a lot of publicity about it, and and uh, give some give some nice prizes and that kind of thing. So then the tiny house uh, issue, I'm not as as familiar with this as uh, I am with other types of development, but I did some research last night on the internet so, and, and talked to a couple people that I know. So basically I think there's zoning issues and building code issues and I guess there's a lot of communities that, ha are, uh, that have minimum size requirements. Your single family home has to be a thousand square feet minimum, which I didn't realize you could do that. I've never written in all the development codes I've written, I've never done that, but uh, that would be a barrier. So you'd have to make some adjustments to both the, the zoning and building codes. And then the building codes are, people pretty much uh, adopt the, the unified, it's a, the unified building code and, and uh, it has minimum size rooms and ceiling heights and that can be a problem as well. But there are, and there's just a, a certain number of states who have rules that allow you to do some tiny homes. And uh, there's a subdivision going in in Detroit of 25 units, and it looks like, and they're one unit per lot, and that's one of the examples. And it was a nonprofit that partnered to, to build uh, uh, homes for um, either formerly home, homeless, low-income seniors or students and they're going to be rented for about the smallest size, the 250 will be rented for about $300 a month. Um, so and there's one to two people maximum per house and the sizes are 250 to 400. So in this state you must be able to uh, figure out, you know, there, there must be a way to build them here. I know in Texas we have them uh, and so basically the way that regulations would work are that they'd be an accessory dwelling unit and so uh, that which means they're a secondary dwe dwelling unit and a lot of popular places like Portland and Austin have loosened up their regulations so that you can put a second dwelling unit on a large lot if the lot is a certain size and, and Portland is getting tons of new uh, residential uses that way by allowing people to stick another dwelling unit, you know, 200, 300 square feet uh, living area on their, their um, property. And so it's those can be called carriage houses, granny flats, mother-in-law suites, uh, auxiliary units, cottages, but they're basically just another living unit stuck on in your backyard, hopefully. 
And then uh, some of the code amendments that there's a whole association of tiny homes that is going, that, that's out there and they're trying to incorporate the tiny house code in the international uh, development uh, building code, the residential code, and then uh, make sure that there's some standard rules that can be used to incorporate into zoning ordinances to allow accessory dwelling units. So that was the extent of my research on, on uh, tiny homes and small lot homes. Are any questions or anything I didn't cover? 